Hello everyone, it's Friday the 7th of August and welcome to episode 17 of the Kite Podcast 2020 with me, Ben Eagle. And me, Will Evans. Now, if there's one thing that the great British public have been sinking their teeth into over lockdown, it's cheese with an unbelievable 830 million <laughs> of cheese sales in just 12 weeks from April to June. From cheddar to the continentals, cheese categories have seen significant rises in sales across the board. But who have been the major winners from this and how do cheesemakers keep up the momentum? Oh, that should have been across the cheese board, Will. Oh, <laughs> you missed one there. It should. <laughs> <laughs> to try to answer these questions, we're joined today by Kevin White, who is the Grocer's Fresh Foods Editor, Kite's Managing Partner, John Allen, and as always, everyone's favourite dairy market analyst, Chris Falkland. Welcome everyone to the show. Thank you. Chris, it's Hi. our favourite time of the week when we ask for your milk market update. What's been happening in the markets this week, dare I ask? Okay, well, I'm bringing your, my report uh, to you today from Watford Gap Services. Ask me why. Why? Why? We're talking cheese today with Kevin, and Kevin's a proper journalist. And a cheese sandwich is the UK's second most popular after the bacon butty. And of course, Watford Gap, as everyone knows, is the north-south divide. And when it comes to sandwiches, everything changes at Watford Gap. For example, Grocer Kevin, he lives in the south of England. And down there, cheese sandwiches are like this. <laughs> Little, small, triangle, dainty things. With their crusts removed, a bit of grated cheese in the middle. And an avocado, quinoa and pecan juice sauce on the side. In contrast, Brecky lives up north, the land of the doorstep. <laughs> <laughs> Huge chunk of bread on the bottom, a whole block of cheese in the middle, some pickle, and another chunk on top. And it's the doorstep, in my opinion, that has single-handedly been responsible for the massive extra cheese sales and rising prices that cheesemakers and most of their suppliers have enjoyed. And it's also the main reason why Saputo has not increased its price in Cornwall yet, because no one eats sandwiches in Cornwall, they only eat pasties. So we've all got to thank the Northerners. We've got to thank the Northerners. Big round of applause for them. And Kevin, I hope you'll be, you'll be doing the, the, uh, the doorstep versus the southern sandwich uh, in, a, in an article coming soon. But I also have a plea to the Northerners, because we need more of you. We need you to put a, a bit more, a few extra lashings of butter in your butty because it's just not selling. Buyers are still not interested in buying butter. There's negative sentiment in the market and prices have slipped below uh, 3,000 sterling for the first time in several weeks now. And cream is down too. It's still bordering 140. Um, uh, it's bordering it, but it was 145. And it's not uh, making any headway, headway towards 150, where I think prices need to be in order for liquid suppliers to get a price increase. But spots holding at, at 30p, so that's okay at the moment. But there's malaise in the futures market too, alas, especially in New Zealand. They're dropping as fast as a peckish vegan. Uh, for example, uh, New Zealand butter futures are below 3,000 euros equivalent for the first time since 2016. And EU futures, they're on the slide too. They've been on the slide for four consecutive weeks, down below 2,000 euros on skim, 
and 3,400 on butter, and they were aiming for 3,7 on butter. So if anything needs a big northern doorstep, it's the futures, unless it's the GDT. And I did tell you a few weeks ago not to get too excited when it shot up 8 point something percent three auctions ago, and now it's come down 5%. But it wasn't unexpected, and what matters now is what happens at the next auction. Nevertheless, the overall tone in the market, aside from cheese, has, I'm afraid, turned negative. It might be COVID. It might be the holiday season. It's probably a mix of the two. So not looking good at the moment, but anything can happen when people come back from holiday. So that's it for now. I'm going to give my southern sandwich to the dogs and tuck into my fine northern culinary specimen. Goodbye. Thanks very much, Chris. <laughs> Evan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank um, you. We're going to start by actually discussing that really this podcast is, is a lot about an article that was published in The Grocer uh, very recently called Big Cheese, and which highlighted a lot of the points we're going to discuss this morning. Can you give us the headlines from that article? Yeah, well, I wrote that article. Um, and um, put simply, cheese is booming, or certainly in the supermarkets anyway. So despite a lot of headlines earlier on during the pandemic about, you know, some cheesemakers really struggling. Stilton was a case in point, but, you know, Cornish Cheese Company was another one which had lost a massive piece of their market from the, you know, the collapse of food service and, and hospitality. On the whole, um, you know, in the supermarkets, Brits just can't get enough of cheese. They've been stocking up on cheese. Just, you know, this, in the same way that they've been stockpiling toilet roll and hand sanitizer and, uh, and you know other other things cheese has been you know pretty much top of their list as well and that has been illustrated in massive increases in sales so you know just to give you an example as you said at the start at the top of the show <coughs> shoppers spent eight, 837 million um, pounds on cheese during the pandemic period so that's the 12 weeks to the 14th of june so that's 23.4% increase year on year. So, you know, they just can't get enough of cheese, really. And and this story reflects that, really. I mean, other than snacking and, and, and many portions of cheese, um, those smaller on-the-go uh, things, they, they seem to have been rising in sales across the board. But what and who have been the major cheese winners during lockdown? You're, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, apart from snacking, which, you know, is understandable because obviously kids aren't going to school and, and you know, less packed lunches, but certainly in-home consumption has soared. And, you know, so everything from uh, ter- continental cheeses, excluding blue, um, that was up 29.7%. Uh, territorials are up 26.1%. Soft white cheese, 12.6%. Processed even up 8.7%. But obviously the big winner is cheddar. So cheddar sales are up 28% year on year during this period. Um that equates to about £90 million. So just to contextualise that, that is more than Pilgrim's Choice sold completely last year. And that, they're the second biggest um, cheddar brand. Um, that's pretty much the same as what Dairyly sold as well, but during this tiny period. So geez, you know, cheddar in particular has been really popular with shoppers. Hmm. John, what, what, what's your take on all this? This is quite unbelievable news, really. Oh, it's fantastic. And uh, I, I, I just pay credit to Kevin for an excellent uh, researched article. If you can get access to it, by all means do. Please do, uh, yes. I, Thank you, John. <laughs> 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 uh, 
No, but it, it's it's so good to have a good news story. And uh, I think one of the things I, I'm quite intrigued by, it, well, there's two things. One is I think some of the farmers who supply cheesemakers uh, are agitated because they feel that uh, the cheesemakers didn't get any more out of the market in terms of lifting the price. They just kept the price and they shifted the stock. And, uh, and now they're agitating and wanting and thinking that those cheesemakers have made a fortune and therefore they're wanting some money out of the market. I'd be interested in Chris's comments on that, especially uh, hearing some of the news from down in the southwest. You may mention Chris. Um, and, and the other thing is from Kevin, I'd like to know is um, what? How are we going to hold on to this? Because I, I just think this is such a good news story. We need to hold on to it. So, what do you think about the farmers? First of all, Chris, getting agitated. Well, I I, th I think um, there's always two sides to the cheese uh, story. And while retail has boomed, food service has dropped. Um, so I think there's a balancing act to do. Uh, the other talk in the market that is relevant to what farmers um, are getting is comments that some of the more profitable elite lines have been sidelined and the older ranges cannibalized to keep the um, medium and mild ranges coming through. So the elite lines are the ones where the companies make the most profit and the, the normal lines, the big runs, are the ones where they make the least margin. Now, what I would say to the farmers is generally, I think the cheesemakers have been pretty fair over the last few months. They've, they've outperformed and outpaid the liquid processors by some distance. And I know there's discontent in Cornwall, but actually for probably the last couple of years, I think Dairy Crest first, Saputo second have been one of the top payers. So I think they should see what comes next month. And if, if there's nothing in the pipeline, then I, I think they might be justified in, um, in having uh, the concerns that they've currently got. But I would tend to wait another month. What do you think, Kevin, about the, the whole thing about how, how we hold on to it from an ex looking in from outside? Interesting question. J just to add to what Chris has said, you know, I completely agree with the whole you know, rationalisation. And you know, the piece I wrote really reflects the fact that Saputo, for instance, had to stop selling extra mature because they essentially ran out of it and they you know they wanted to uphold the standards of that particular cheese they also cut down on david's Stowe production as well so david's Stowe really str struggled you know sales were down about 10 percent for david's Stowe, according to saputo themselves and they said that they had to prioritize those kind of high number cheeses and they actually also um pulled cathedral city 82 from um you know during the period as well which is obviously their big ticket npd launch last year um, a low-fat cheese. So I completely agree with that, that they, they had to prioritise. And speaking to other dairy suppliers as well, like, you know, Arla, for instance, earlier in the pandemic, they had to do very similar things with liquid milk and, and, and other products as well. But it, but to answer your question about, you know, how do we hold on to this? I mean, it really depends on how this pandemic progresses, really, over the next few months. If more people are still uh, working from home, then clearly consumption will be higher in the home. But as you said as well, Chris, obviously, uh, food service is a completely different kettle of fish really so s there will be some losers and there will be some winners the winners will be those who predominantly supply the major supermarkets like Lactalis like Saputo like Ornua as well really so um, it, it, I think it depends on what happens really over the next few months in terms of consumption at home 
but also you know we're we're, we're going to be heading into christmas so you know they may well be lucky and they may well see continue to see this bounce now and next thing you know we're going to be in christmas which will be a traditional bounce as well so one of their challenges i suppose will be to continue to keep supply high we can talk about prices as well obviously um that pricing according to our research is up 6.7 percent across the category yeah. during the pandemic so you know cheese has actually been more expensive on the whole um the majority of that is down to a, a reduction in promotions obviously by the supermarkets and promotions is really a, an area that is under a lot of scrutiny at the moment because of obviously the government's new uh, obesity strategy yeah. so we could see less promotions in the future and actually some um, brands would support that I think uh, certainly Ornua has gone on record in the grocer in the past year to bemoan the amount of cheese branded cheese in particular sold on promotion so you know that adds to that kind of context of adding more value into the category really. Kevin, can I just say, as a, as a father of four children, it's shocking to hear you use the C word on the podcast at Christmas. Enough to bring me out in cold sweats. But yeah, I'm sorry. But as you know, <laughs> we start thinking about Christmas in, in I'm July. Sure and you August. Yeah. <laughs> so do my kids. Um, mm. uh, why do you think that people have been buying so much more cheese than they were pre-lockdown? I mean, we talked about it. The volume increases really are quite staggering. Um, well, a, a number of reasons, really. I mean, obviously, you know, as I said earlier, um, more people are, are at home, so they're working from home. And, you know, th- th- there has been research out there that, you know, cheese sandwiches soared. I think the Specialty Cheesemakers Association said that, um, you, know, that pe- you know, more people are making cheese sandwiches now than they have been in, in quite some time as well. But there's also a kind of a comfort thing and the versatility of cheese as well. So it's not just sandwiches, it's you know, you can use cheese in all number of things when you're cooking at home and people are just eating more at home. So that is the natural kind of progression from that. Obviously, if you're supplying into food services, you know, some of those cheese makers that I mentioned earlier um, have been just in the same way that if you were supplying milk into into food service, then obviously, you know, that's a very different story. But, you know, this obviously this piece that I wrote predominantly focused on on cheese into into the supermarkets really but you know people are walking around supermarkets and they're looking for the the you know the the, the food items that i suppose bring them more comfort and and and, and security and they think well let's you know let's get cheese in you know definitely is it is it likely that these uh, increased volumes will stay as part of the furniture i mean is this is is this a new normal um as they say or is it likely that sales will decrease once lifestyle changes do change again well, that's that's the challenge for the industry, I suppose, isn't it? Um, you know, when I spoke to you know the various senior execs of, of these big cheese companies for this piece, they were quite confident for the future that demand would continue. Um, you know, there's still the specter of plant base to deal with, obviously. Um, but I think the pandemic really took the edge off veganuary this year, certainly. Um, and and that would the be the... it flattened it and murdered yeah, it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm being more diplomatic, Chris, but you know, because um, I, I write about those brands as well. But um, <laughs> let, let me just tell you, there's a lot of cheese in my fridge as well at the moment, so don't worry about that. But, um, but um, you know, they've got that challenge to deal with as well, really. But you know, I would have some confidence that this this kind of trend is here for for a, a, at least a few months, anyway. And, and then the challenge will be from the big brands. You know, how do they innovate? How do they continue to ride this wave, really? And just one f- final point as well, sorry. Um, 
direct to consumer is a really big thing now as well. So um, mm. you, uh, John's nodding. So hopefully he was thinking the same <laughs> thing. But but we've we, and when we we write our annual dairyman supplement, as you may be aware of in the grocer, and we're just planning that supplement now, and it'll be out in November. So we've had to push it back a couple of months. Um, but direct to consumer is a real big thing now in cheese and you know it's certainly a lot of the smaller companies well healers are doing really a good job on that aren't they yeah yeah and you know wike and a load of other people as well really that really reported um you know belt and farm as well really and the wednesdale company as well really reported a, a, some big sales increases during lockdown because people realize do you know what? I can. I don't even have to go to the shop now to get my favourite cheese. I can just order it online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Often you can gift it to people as yeah. well. So, you know, you're going to see a lot more innovation in those areas as well. There's going to be a lot more innovation in packaging down the track. So, you know, I think certainly, you know, I've been writing about the sector for six years now. Um, I've seen ups and downs as I have in milk and, and in butter. But I think cheese currently isn't at an upward trajectory. Yeah, I mean, just just broadening that out, Kevin. You obviously cover a range of products under under fresh foods. What's your general feeling about the performance of dairy generally as a category compared to other categories that you write about? I think, I mean, some of it's anecdotal, but um, Dairy UK and ASCB, um hailed the success of their uh, Milky Moments campaign earlier this week and and said it really reinforced that you know people's love for for dairy. I think you know milk was staple in ninety six percent of homes. Still, I mean, milk has its own issues, as you know. You guys are even more aware of than than I, really, seeing as I talk to you about these for my stories about milk. But um, you know, so it's it's a mixed picture, I think, isn't it? And milk has this problem about it being devalued, as we know, uh, over a number of years, really. So um, it it varies, but, but I think butter sales are, are doing all right as well. We're waiting for the latest data because we're going to be writing about this in in, a, in this supplement, the dairyman supplement. But um, certainly, butter and cheese have, have, have done really well in, in in lockdown. I would I would just come in and think on 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 the forward sales and and uh, <clears throat> cheese is is in a great position um, to hit the recessionary environment. Because um, yeah, the retailers, you know, the, I, I know Becky orders a very expensive cheese boxes, and she loves her cheese. So we know that she's she'll look after that end. But, but actually, <laughs> for a lot of the retailers, I mean, they they they're really heading into this recession worried. And I would have thought if I was in their dairy category, then I'd be thinking, well, cheese is actually going to be a big. Uh, mainstay and if I can keep that flow and that goes back to that point about keeping stability in the market keeping the flow going through I, I can't see that consumers are going to move away from cheese because I always remember being told by Arthur Reese from Dairy Crest that cheese funnily enough competes with chicken and I said how does that work and he said well it's a protein it's a meal portion and he said if you've actually got your cheese price right and you can compete with chicken. He said, you will actually retain your cheese market. And, and I think that that's where cheese is going to be for in, in a recessionary time. It's going to have a big place in the market. This yeah, is a really I, interesting one, actually, and it, it leads directly on to price. Um, so, Kevin, in your article, um, you showed that your overall prices have grown 6.7% across categories at this particular time. But uh, And I'm sure that Chris will have, a, have an opinion on that, which I'll be interested in as well. But how sustainable do you think this really is? Well, uh, like I said, I mean, you know, some of that is down to promotions. Um, 
I would argue that shoppers probably don't kind of clock that they're paying maybe five ten p more for a block of cheese. Um, you know, because it certainly hasn't discouraged them. You know, during this period. Um, so I mean, you know, whether that trickles down to the farmers is another question because obviously the overheads of these cheese companies will have increased significantly during this period as well, really. Well, I, I think I think it, it could be the start of, of something even bigger because aside from the COVID explosion in sales, we've, we've also got all of the cheesemakers uh, increasingly exporting uh, cheese around the world. And we've seen Saputo announce that they're going into Canada, uh, big style with Cat City. And they're not unique in that. Uh, Alvis, Wyke Farms, just to name, but but two other ones are exporting a lot more. So if we get the right Brexit conditions and trade deals post Brexit, and these cheesemakers can export even more, that's where they make their money. They don't make money. A lot of them flogging mild or medium cheddar to the retailers. They make it by selling premium lines abroad. So. Why beat yourselves up for the retailer tenders all the time when you can grow your export business? So we could see no more capacity in the UK, really, destined for the UK, but all of the extra capacity and more cheese destined for the export market. And that's only going to tighten supplies on, on these shores and increase the sustainability of, of the sector and the suppliers to it. Yeah, I, I, I just said um, on, on that point, Chris, that, uh, and perhaps Kevin might want to comment, but if you look at the B word, we, we've avoided it, but I, I would be flagging up to uh, retailers at present, you know, be careful when you keep on coming back to the dairy chain uh, for price reductions at, at present, because we're heading into uncertainty with Brexit and maybe a no trade deal. And we've got a deficit, by my calculations, working it out with some experts this week, of about 40 or 50,000 tonnes of cheese make in the UK. So actually, if, if we got no deal, then, you know, we, we could have a situation replicated similar to what we've got now in liquid, where we're running a cheese sector with a capacity that's actually under, uh, under the ability to meet the market demand. So I think uh, retailers need to be very careful in the current market. So, so, John, all this really is opening up an unprecedented new opportunity for the industry, isn't it? Well, I, I, I mean, I, I, t- I take Chris's points uh, earlier about the markets and, you know, we've got to be uh, cognizant of the fact that we're going into a tough time in the marketplace. Hmm. But the fundamentals and the story we've heard this morning is so positive for UK dairy. Uh, once we get through this crisis, then there's a lot of positives uh, to take out of this and it's just holding on to it great story thanks Kevin thank you thank you I'm glad you liked it and if anyone hasn't read it obviously get on the grocer website <laughs> it's in the, the reports <laughs> we will get four copies for your kids for Christmas Will <laughs> <laughs> if you I get, get away with just that I will be delighted <laughs> anyway uh, that's all we have time for today really really good discussion lovely to end on such a positive note on a Friday um, but many thanks to Kevin White John Allen and Chris Walkland for coming on the show today yeah thanks everyone here it's been a brilliant show today uh, thanks also to you for listening uh, we'll see you next week same time same place But for now, it's goodbye from Will, me and all of us here in Kite Podcast Land. And we'll see you next Friday.